Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey my friends, I'm so excited to tell you that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-order. You can go and do that now. The link will be in the show notes below. I would greatly appreciate each and every one of you if you could go and pre-order a copy right now. The book will be officially launched September 27th of this year, but you can go and pre-order a copy of the book right now and I hope that you all consider doing that. All right. Let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. What do you think the future of business and the future of our humanity really looks like on this planet? The global coronavirus pandemic has thrown into stark relief how business as usual is no longer serving us or serving us well. The economic, business and environmental models of the past do not reflect our current realities as we have no doubt seen. And our economy for us to survive, we need nothing less than a seismic shift in the way we do business. Enter my guest today. His name is Simon Mannering. Now, for those of you that don't know who he is, Simon is a New York Times bestselling author and founder and CEO of We First. A decade ago, he showed how business leaders and consumers could use social media to build a better world in his first book, We First. Now, after decades of research and field experience at the vanguard of the world's most successful brand revolutions, he provides in his new book, Lead With Me, a blueprint for doing business better in today's challenged world. By leading with we, we are putting the collective above the individual, holding the sum above the parts and emphasizing the importance of the role that everyone plays. You can not only help solve the escalating challenges of today, but also you can help unlock extraordinary growth for your business and abundance on our planet that we are living in. I believe that we should be good stewards of the time that we have on this on this earth and the kind of things that we are doing for this world. I mean, we only have one one life and one planet and we should do the very best that we possibly can to sustain it 
for as long as we possibly can. This conversation was a lot of fun and I have no doubt that you guys will enjoy Simon's enthusiasm, his wisdom and his advice. So if you do get something from this conversation, and I have no doubt that you will, please share it around to all your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one. Don't forget before you go to leave a rating and review over another podcast and to subscribe. You can check out the full video now over on YouTube. I'll make sure all links are in the show notes below. I'd love it if you guys could subscribe over there too. And don't forget that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down, is available now for pre-order. So if you want to learn more about my story, you want to learn how to be the very best leader for your own self in, in moving forward in your life, and you want to learn how to get unstuck from some challenging situations all through the power of stories, then definitely go and pre-order a copy of the book right now. It will go on sale officially September 27th at all booksellers around the place. Uh, I'll make sure where you guys know where to uh, buy a, a copy from if that's what you want to do. But I would greatly appreciate it if you guys could pre-order right now. So links will always be in the show notes for you guys to make it easy for you. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to lead with we as we journey into the story box today and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Simon Mannering. Thank you, Jay, and thanks to everyone listening in. It's a great, to, it's so great to have another Aussie on on the show. Now you're in LA at the moment, so I always love speaking with Aussies. It means that I can relax a little bit. <laughs> we can give um, each other a hard time out of the we, gate instead we, of being polite, right? <laughs> exactly. But I really do appreciate you making the time to be here, man. Um, the very first question that I do have for you before we dive further into your backstory is what does success look like for you? Well, you know, I'll give you a, a double barrel answer. I used to think that it was getting all these accolades or getting recognition at home in Oz or in, the, in Europe or in the States, but that was a mistake. What I've realized since then through talking with a lot of other successful people is that fulfillment, which I really think is what success is about, is an inside out job. And what do I mean? Instead of these outside recognitions, you get a statue, you get a job promotion, you get whatever it is. The more you give of yourself to others, the more you fill yourself up rather than being filled up by others. So success for me is fulfillment. And for the last 10, 11 years, I've really dedicated myself to kind of using business as a force for good. And that's made me feel a lot better about myself, my relationships in my life, but I spent most of my life getting it the wrong way around in all, in all honesty. When was the moment that you realized that that in fact was success for you? You mentioned that it kind of has changed for you over time. Was there more of a catalyst moment somewhere in your life? Yeah, I'd love to say it was all planning and I was mature and grew up and knew what I was doing, but it actually came in in a pretty abrupt way. I had been an ad guy in all well-known ad agencies in Australia and London and then in the US. And um, I was in my place in LA and this was a while ago, like at the end of the nineties and, and, I walked into my kitchen one morning and on the answering machine was five messages. One from my mom who was in Sydney calling me in the middle of the night, LA time. And she was just saying, Simon, wake up, pick up the phone, wake up. Another message from her, more upset. A message from my sister yelling down the phone because she was trying to reach me in my bedroom, which was you know other side of the house. My mother, very upset, calling again. And then the final message on the answering machine was Simon, dad died. He was calling to say goodbye 
call us when you wake up. And I hadn't seen my dad for five years. And I'd been running around being a self-important ad guy and he'd been sick and I just didn't carve out the time to be with him. And, um, you know, those words that she said, you know, like call us when you wake up, took on a meaning to me that I don't even think she had intended, which is like, wake up from what the hell you're doing, Simon. Like, what are you doing? What's it, you know, what is important? And so it really destabilized me for a while because I was feeling professionally unchallenged and then personally, you know, at sea. And I just sort of sat in that for a while because I couldn't see straight. And then I happened to read the, the speech that Bill Gates gave at the World Economic Forum that year where he was talking about the global economic meltdown in 2008 and business needs, needs to play a bigger role in fixing things. And I took that to heart. I decided to write a book to answer that challenge. And that led to the first book, We First. So it wasn't planning. Basically, the universe came along and just like cracked me over the head through a very sad event. And I changed the course of my career. So here we are 12 years later, you know. Did you have a good relationship with your father? You know what? I'd love to say it was better than it was. I think, you know, father and son relationships are difficult. I think Aussie males and men and fathers are a difficult one. So he set an incredible example, but he was a fairly stoic guy, not a very, not a man given to emotions, not a man to say, hey, I love you and bring it on in and here we are and all of that. It was much more that kind of from that generation in Australia. So there wasn't, it's not necessarily about closure, but not getting a chance to say goodbye and not spending more time with him felt very abrupt at the time. And I had to process that. And, you know, for what it's worth, doing the work that I do now and that sort of sad event being a catalyst for where I am today, in some ways I feel close to him, maybe closer than ever, because he played an instrumental role in my life. But it, would I do it differently if I had my time again? For sure. What did he teach you about leadership and how to be a good leader? Well, you know, leadership is a, is a funny old thing. I think leadership traditionally is misunderstood as someone being out front. And arguably you can make that case. You can say, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be someone that people want to follow. So you've got to set an example. But what I've really experienced in my own life in sort of corporate life and then what I've done in my own company is, you know, as a leader, I want to build a platform on which others can stand. And so like my new book, Lead With We, I think any brand, any personal brand, you should be somebody who articulates a vision or a purpose or a future that other people want to be a part of and enable. So leadership really is setting a trajectory that can inspire everyone to build that future with you. And that could build a company in its bottom line. It can also scale impact. So I don't think of it as being the person at the top out front but rather being the person who rallies everyone in service of something larger than yourself. And then everyone goes with you. Let me come back to more leadership questions later on, because you do have a book titled lead with we, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, and I want to, I want to touch on your first book in just a moment too, but uh, I want to go back a little bit and ask, so you, you hadn't been in touch with your father for five years. You're, you're doing the agency job. Was that always something that you wanted to do or what was what was the career choices that you, what would, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, there's a pattern in my life, which is called no planning. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I went to Sydney uni, I did arts law. I wanted to be the long haired art guy, you know, just eking out a living on bread. Um, and then I got married and realized you can't really survive that way. Anyway, you know, when I finished university and was going out there, 
um, a few friends said to me, hey, you should be a copywriter. And I thought, oh, legal copyright, right? But what they meant was actually someone writing ads. And I think it was because I had a really inappropriate sense of humor. I think that was the uh, the key to that. And um, so I went to the ad school in Australia and gave it a go. Um, so it wasn't really planning. I think I liked um, the rigor of thinking that you learn going through law school, but I'm much more a creative animal. And then I don't know, like a lot of Aussies, sometimes you feel like you might be missing out on something when you're so far away from the rest of the world. So I got that sort of, I don't know, uh, walkabout spirit. And I thought I'd go out there and give it a go. And like a lot of people, you go to the UK and give it a go. And you always want to, like everyone always tells you you can't do something or stay in your place or you're not good enough. And every time they do that, like a lot of Aussies, you kind of go, yeah, okay. All right, let's see that. Let's, let's go. And um, so I just kept having a go in different markets around the world. Um, but then, you know, I was just back in Christmas, at Christmas, I was back in Sydney for the first time in a long time because of COVID. And, you know, it's really funny. We all go through life and we try to get the top of some mountain, whatever your mountain is. It doesn't matter. You get to the top of some mountain. But what I realized after all these years is you get to the top of that last mountain and then you look back over your shoulder and go, I want to go back to the beach where I began all mm. the way down there. So, you know, don't kill yourself heading, climbing mountains that aren't actually the ones that are going to fulfill you, you know? And what led you to starting your consultancy firm at the moment? It's called We First. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had worked as a writer on Nike at their ad agency, Widen and Kennedy in Portland for a number of years. And you get to write the ads for the big fancy athletes and the Olympics and the World Cup and these big, big projects that have a real global stage or dimension to them. And then I was worldwide creative director at Motor on Motorola at an ad agency called um, Ogilvy, which many people know about, and launched the Razor phone and all these other things. And when you do that enough, you kind of go, wow, look at the power of media. I mean, if we tell the right story, people do things differently. So when it came to the global economic meltdown and my father's passing and, and you know, Bill Gates' speech about the role of business, I thought, wait a second, just in a really dumb, simple way, what if we took the power of storytelling and helped companies do good in ways that are going to build their business. And so I started the book, I started the company, I've written this new book. It's not rocket science. It's just like we have these media tools. Why don't we use them to fix things, not just break things or sell stuff? So how does or how do stories help grow a business and give a business purpose? And also, this is a three-part question, sorry. It might tie all, all in together. No and how does, how does stories help... I guess, impacts the leadership of the business as well. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what business you're in, B2B, B2C, big, small, or solopreneur. We're all human beings sitting around a campfire telling stories. Yeah. Like, buy this brand, go and watch that team, see this movie. I mean, we're just sharing stuff, whether it's on social media, digital, or in the real world. And so the reason the story is so important is it allows you not just to make a rational connection with someone, but an emotional connection because you need the emotion to motivate someone to do something, right? Otherwise, they're not going to do it. So stories are so important to get people to do something, especially something different to what they're normally doing. Buy your product, see this film, whatever it is. In terms of leadership, the world has changed now. When I started in marketing in the 1700s, because I'm older now, no, when I started in marketing years ago, um, you know, the world was like infinite possibility. The planet seemed to have infinite resources. Business was going to grow exponentially. The world today is very different. We've got the you know, climate crisis, loss of biodiversity, ocean acidification, carbon in the air, chemicals in the soil, plastics in the ocean. And the people 
in your life and that we're selling to, especially millennials and Gen Z are looking around going, look at the mess we're in. And so they want to buy from, work for, or invest in companies doing good. And so the role of story in in leadership today is really allowing you to articulate what your purpose is, which is why your company exists, and to tell that story with your internal stakeholders, your employees, and your external stakeholders, consumers, and to rally all of them to solve for some of these issues in ways that's that's going to make employees, investors, consumers go, I like this brand. I'll talk about this brand. I like this stuff. They're doing less bad and they're doing more good. And so story is critical for the emotional connection, even more so today, given you know this very fast-changing and challenged world that we live in. Having said all that, because we know that it is becoming increasingly harder to, I guess, keep up with demand. And I guess there's so many businesses being formed out there. It's kind of hard to be unique and and yeah, in that in that sense. So how do we stand out from the crowd in today's so crowded market? It is true that there's more and more companies talking about their purpose, their impact, and some are doing it disingenuously as well. They're just basically greenwashing cause, washing purpose, washing local, washing ESG, washing work, washing on a marketing sales pitch. It's all really? it's all just managing the optics of stuff. Yeah. Here's the good news. Employees investors and consumers are calling BS on brands every day. So if someone's doing it disingenuously, they're going to get called out. That said, how do you stand out? Well, instead of mistaking your cause or your impact for your purpose, as in I'm a nonprofit and I raise money for cancer research, or I'm a brand who wants to be sustainable, you've got to have a unique point of view that's authentic and differentiating. So, for example, Airbnb, their purpose is to create a world where anyone can belong anywhere. That's specific to them. With Dove, the soap brand, it's to make beauty a source of confidence, not anxiety. With my company, a consulting branding firm, We First, it's to empower business to lead with We. These are all very specific articulations of their purpose. So you stand out by defining that in the first place. So you're unique in your category and then bringing it to life in authentic ways. So what are some ways in which, say, for example, someone is just about to start their own own business, they're a bit nervous, they're looking at the competition and they're trying to figure out, okay, this is what they've got, how are we different? So what are some of the things that they've got to look at first? Is it more, I've got to look at the story of my business, I've got to look at my purpose, I've got to look at my mission, my vision yeah. all together? How do how yeah. we come through this? Well, it's so important today because the expectation on businesses to do good is really just going to increase. So you've got, there's even more and more pressure and scrutiny on you to do this work. And honestly, I wrote the book Lead with We, which is available in Oz now as well, which is great. It just came out like a few weeks ago, um, you know, on Amazon and all the places you can buy books, is that you have to ask yourself some fundamental questions. And the, and the book lays out the step-by-step process for large and small companies. You don't need to think it through. You don't need to repeat the work that we do every day. It's all there and it's all laid out for you. But to define your purpose, you've got to kind of externalize yourself. And what I mean by that is it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. It's really hard for a founder or a leadership team to know who the hell we are because you're caught up in the swim of it every day. So the way you externalize yourself is ask yourself some fundamental questions. And we've done this work with Timberland and Tom's and Virgin and other companies out there. First is, you know, what is your enemy? So what is that thing that gets you out of bed in the morning that you exist to work against? 
you know, with Uber, it might be the horrible taxi experience or, you know, um, with Airbnb, it might be the homogenous hotel, which really doesn't give you an experience of belonging in any place. Secondly, when you're at your best, what are you doing? Like your team at your best, what are you doing? Thirdly, what are you the only of? There's only one leader like you. There's only one team like yours in one place like yours at this moment in time, unique to your industry. What are you the only of? And, and the book lays all these things out. So what is your enemy? What are you the only of? When you're at your best, what are you doing? And when you start to answer these questions and seriously put them down on paper, you start to see certain language or themes emerge that you go, oh, wait a second, damn, look at that. I mean, and then when you interrogate that language and then lock it down, and, and I gave you some examples a minute ago, companies have done that, you step back and it's not like, oh, I'm doing something new. You go, oh my God, this has always been true of us. And it's a function of who you are and what your leadership team is. So if you do that work, defining your purpose, and then you look at your voice and your values and your tagline as a brand, then you can participate in a marketplace that's increasingly rewarding companies that are showing up and doing good authentically. And I think that's absolutely critical if you want to survive today as a business. Do you, do you have an enemy that you wake up with in the morning? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, in very, very simple terms, and, I, you know, this is not rocket science again. When I sat there in 2007, 2008, living in the States and saw the global economic meltdown from Wall Street to Main Street, and then people were losing their homes, their health care, their hopes. It went on to Iceland, to Greece, the Gulf states, all around the world, this massive meltdown. The thing that royally, and pardon the French, pissed me off, really upset me in almost in an Australian way, in that kind of mate way where we're all like, we're all equal, was just how unfair it was. Yeah. And when I really thought about it, and I never cared about any of this stuff before, Jay, I didn't want to go out and fix the world. I was just a self-important ad guy. You know, I thought about it. I was like, oh, this whole me first obsession, like everyone's just looking after themselves and damn the consequences. So when I named the company We First, it's an antidote to the me first mentality that caused the mess in the first place. So it's pretty clear, you know. Mm. How do we prepare ourselves for another economic crisis? Is that actually possible to prevent uh, ourselves going down <laughs> or our businesses going down? Yeah, I think there's, you've got to look at it on two fronts. You've got to look at the, the big picture, the macro, whatever. I mean, on a global stage, the vast majority and growing number of people are living on $10 under $6 a day. And we're never going to, you know, rewrite our future if we leave them behind. And that's a huge ask on so many levels, which could be five hours of conversation. Hey friends, sorry to disturb you from listening to this amazing conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-orders. I'll make sure the link is in the show notes below. So if you do want to learn how to lead your life in the very best way possible and you love stories and you want to learn more about my story, the living roller coaster ride that it is, then go and pre-order a copy right now. The book will be uh, available everywhere books are sold September 27th. But, but if you can go and pre-order it now, I would be so, so grateful. All right, my friends, let's get back into the incredible story. On a more local level, you've got to look at your own company and say, well, wait a second, am I responsible in my supply chain so that people aren't going to say you're a bad company, we're not going to buy your stuff? Am I treating my people well in terms of diversity and inclusion and benefits and so on, whether they're working hybrid and all those things that, you know, COVID has thrown into relief? And then thirdly, what products am I taking to market and how am I taking them to market? Because the thing is, 
you've not only got to be sort of positive out there and relevant, you've got to be defensible in this marketplace because as it shakes out and things get worse and people have less money, they're going to be increasingly conscious of the choices they're making. And so you've got to be bulletproof upstream in your supply chain and downstream in the way you take your products to market. And then just, you know, make decent products that people really need, treat people well, take them to market responsibly, and then manage your business, you know, in a, in a smart way as you have to at all times. Is it wise to reimagine your business's purpose if challenges arise or keep true to the original purpose and get through that with, with that one? Yeah, I mean, you know, if the question is, should you change your purpose at any given time depending on the circumstances, what people respond to in the marketplace, and this is very general, but like what we find consumers, and there's a lot of research to back this up, is that companies that are the most self-assured you are as a company as to who you are, the role you're playing in the world, the more they, the more easily they can decide, do they want to support you or not? It's like walking into a party and you go around and you talk to everyone and you try and please everyone. And you say, you like what everybody likes. And at the end of the night, people are like, seem like a nice guy, but I have no idea who that is. Or going into a party and being really kind of authentic and going, yeah, that's not my cup of tea. This is, I'm really into this. And then the people who are into the same things gravitate around you and stay and they want to connect and stay. So if you try and back out of what consumers want and keep changing who you are and let the tail wag the dog, it's not going to serve you. In the same way, if you jump from crisis to crisis, in the States here, it might have been COVID, then BLM, the Black Lives Matter movement, and then this and then that. You have to play a role in all of these issues, but you also have to make sure that the thrust of the impact you're having and the role you're playing in the world is true now, it's true tomorrow, it's true over the long term. So does that mean we should follow along with trends? I don't think so. Here's how I would put it. The table stakes, which is the baseline that every company needs to deliver on, have expanded. It used to be that you're sustainable or what big companies called ESG metrics, environmental, social and governance metrics. But now there's diversity and inclusion, especially after the Black Lives Matter movement around the world. You know, it's really top of mind. And then thirdly, and this is the most important issue for US consumers here in the States, a fair and living wage. And over here, you've seen the restaurant industry bump up to an average wage of $15 an hour, $17 an hour, $20 an hour as the great resignation is going on. Or you know, companies like Amazon bumping up the, their pay scale. So that's the table stakes. Everyone's got to deliver on that if they're going to have a social license to operate, if they're going to be allowed to operate in business. Above and beyond that, then pick your issue. And let me give you an example. During COVID, so many great companies went out there and made PPE equipment, right? Because we needed it. But another company called Harry's, which is a razor subscription company here in the States, they said, well, actually, who's our audience? It's young men. What's happening to young men during COVID? There is a disproportionate amount of suicide in young men that people are aware of. And that got even worse during COVID because they lost their jobs, they lost their hopes. So instead of making PPE, they actually worked with Crisis Text Line to provide mental health support for young men who were struggling. And that is authentic to who they are. It's specific to a need that you know is relevant to COVID, but it's doing something different to what a lot of other brands were doing. Yeah. It's kind of similar to what I try to do because I realized that very thing here in here in Sydney, Australia, and or just in Australia in general, like the the massive mental health impacts. So I'm like, why not give people 
a sense of hope, why not give people good stories of people that are still, you know, they're struggling, but they've been able to to use that struggle for good in their life. Right. And that helps other people see that, hey, it's not impossible if they're doing it. I'm not alone in this. Let's all come together. So it kind of appeals to your lead with we uh, analogy or, or, or title of the book, really, from yeah. in essence. It, it, it does. And, you know, in essence, lead with we is this. I think that unless I'm crazy, we're in this mess in terms of the environment, in terms of disparity of wealth, in terms of our society struggling, because each of us in a very small way have been part of the problem. We bought products with plastic. We drove combustion engine cars. We ate too much meat, which created methane and other things and carbon into the atmosphere through industrial farming. And in the same way, we all made this mess together. The only way we're going to get out of it is together. When everyone changes and shows what, you know, shows up differently. And we're seeing people buy more responsible products. We're seeing people drive alternative energy vehicles, but we're not moving far enough, fast enough. So what the book Lead With We lays out is this whole idea of how do you lead, as in make the choice to lead with as many stakeholders as possible, bringing as many people with you to benefit the greatest number of people. That's the we in ways that drive growth. And I give all the research, the examples, large and small companies, the system that you go through to do it. Because otherwise, what's the alternative? Yeah. Half the people will do good, half will do bad, we'll never get anywhere. Or we'll all do bad and the human race will be out of business before we know it. So we're all going to have to show up differently and you can do it in a way that builds your business. And at the end of the day, not only will you grow your business and there's lots of examples of companies doing this, but you'll feel better too. You'll just like the way you're showing up in the world. You'll feel like there's kind of meaning and significance to all the effort you're putting in. And I think that's really important as well. In today's day and age with the current crap that is going yeah. on in the world and I think it's becoming a lot harder for people to distinguish between whether something is actually really good and then it ends up turning out between it not being good. What we thought it was good and in, in originally we started to follow along with it and then all of a sudden it turned into complete shamble. How do we actually make the the, the choice to follow along or, or follow someone that's leading in a good way and actually make sure that that is going to be a long-term sustainable good thing to keep following. Yeah, it's a it's a problem we all face. And as I mentioned, employees, investors, and consumers will call out brands. You know, look at Google, Apple, Facebook, all being called out by their own employees. Even the big consulting firm, McKinsey, they had 1,200 employees write an open letter to leadership not long ago, a few months ago, saying, you know, we're not happy with you supporting the biggest polluters in the world through the work we do at our company. So that's encouraging. But secondly, there's, for a long time, we were never given the tools to make an informed decision. So you and I would buy a simple product that we use in our daily life, not knowing that chemicals were going in the river to make it, plastic was going in the ocean. And what's so exciting right now is that consumers are demanding responsible products. And so companies are developing tools and apps and labeling and certifications that tell you how good a product is. So for example, I was on the jury for the Cannes Advertising Festival last year for the Sustainable Development Goals. And we gave the Grand Prix, the, the biggest prize, to the 2030 calculator, which is a simple tool that lets any business anywhere in the world 
um, uh, get the metrics around the carbon footprint of the product they're making so they can then tell consumers. So we can know what we're buying. So we can be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And like Adidas and Allbirds, the shoe companies now have a carbon calculator. Like a lot of labeling now tells you the carbon footprint of what's going on. So I just think we're finally at a point where people will call BS on people who are faking it. At the same time, the consumers and all of us are getting tools that will let us make more informed decisions. And at the same time, companies are showing up differently, like Walmart and P&G out here in the States are now collaborating to educate consumers about how to make more sustainable purchasing decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think everything's changing. It's early days, but it's pointed in the right direction. I'm optimistic. I'm a t- will be an eternal optimist. <laughs> That's just my my nature. I mean, even even if it gets even worse, I'll still be hopeful that it will get a little bit better because, you know, they say things are going to get worse before they start getting better, but there's those little little signs of hope and, and yeah. So for me, like, I, I love this kind of stuff, talking about it because I think it needs to be talked about and, and the conversation needs to be had more about and people need to be educated more uh, in this. Uh, but I'm curious, why did you decide to write the book lead with we first and foremost, and was it a challenge for you to write in the first place? Well, you know, having written one book that did well, you might go, oh, I'm done, dusted, (laughs) like, thank God that's over. But for the last three or four years, there's one thing that's kept me up at night, and I'm a dad with two daughters, Um, they're 22 and 19, and they've told me they're not sure if they're going to have kids because they don't want to bring kids into the world. Mm. I mean, how crook is that? Like, how? Like that's like, as a potentially annoying grandfather, (laughs) <laughs> I'm just ready to crack all the bad jokes and just punish them for everything they did to me. I'm, I'm not happy with that. So on a personal level, I, there was an urgency there. But my problem is the last three or four years, I mean, we're not getting far enough, fast enough. I mean, if you look at the IPCC report, the big six assessment, the climate assessment, it says we're out of time and it's code red for humanity. If you listen to COP26, the big climate summit that happened a couple of months ago, you know, Boris Johnson in the UK said, we are digging our own graves. I mean, How stupid are we as a race that we are literally have all the data, we have heads of state, heads of corporations all over the world declaring this state of urgency and we're like, that's awesome, let's go about life as usual. And so I was really challenging myself to think, well, listen, I'm lucky enough to work with all these purposeful companies and some of them are really working together in new ways, not just on their own, but together in new ways that can allow us to accelerate and scale our impact. And I thought, well, I've got this damn privilege of seeing this. I've got to share it with everyone else. And it was bloody hard to get done. When I wrote my first book, I was a freelance ad guy. You know, I didn't have all the demands on me. Now I've got this company and we deal with a lot of big clients. And it took, you know, 15 hours a day for, you know, a good couple of years on top of work because you had to write at night and on the weekends. That said, I had an amazing team who was helping me with research. You have your publisher. They've got editors and so on. So it was a team effort. But it was really hard and I was absolutely exhausted at the end of it. And so I bolted home to Sydney just a few weeks ago, collapsed into a latte, plunged face first into a Sydney latte, sorry, Melbourne, and then (laughs) dove into the water, cried underwater so no one could see, got up, fell asleep on the beach and just went, oh my God, I'm I'm cooked. So it was hard, yeah. Which beach was that? Uh, Which beach? Oh, beach. You know what? There was a few. Actually, I went down because I just visited you know, um, a relative. It was actually the first beach I went down to was Balmoral Beach down in Mossman, but then I was at Bondi. I went down to Palm Beach. 
I went up to Byron Bay, you know, where everyone seems to go these days. I drove up the coast and sort of checked out all the beaches on the way with my wife. And I was just like, I don't know, man, there's something about you grow up in nature in Australia and you go back to nature and it just restores you. And I just, I felt so much better going back to the, you know, the mothership and just reconnecting with where I grew up, you know? Even though I was here during the whole COVID, you weren't allowed to go pretty no, much we okay out of your radius. Yeah, so yeah. when we're allowed to go out and the first place that I pretty much went was the beach because yeah. I missed it so much. And you're right, right. like you have that re revitalization. Yeah. And it was just like surreal, man. I'm like, I, I, this is never going to happen to me again. <laughs> yeah, no, but <laughs> and, oh, yeah, people, people don't realize if you grow up in the water in Australia, it's just part of your DNA. It's who you are. And when you go out there in the waves and you get pounded and beaten up and slapped down in the water, you're just like, it's like mother nature's massage, man. It's like, all right, we're going to tenderize you for a bit here and <laughs> you know sort you out. So no, I was so happy to go home. You know? That's good, man. Well, where can people get a copy of, of your new book? Um, I believe you mentioned that it's out in Australia too. It's out in Australia. Amazon. Is it yeah, going to be go to in, uh, Australian bookstores as well or is... Yeah, it is. It's in Australian bookstores as well. It's called Lead With We, Amazon or Angus and Robinson and other bookstores out there. Um, and I'd ask, here's a selfish question. The whole premise of the book is that we've got to change things together. So buy a book for yourself because you've got all my expertise and my company's expertise for 10 years all laid out for you in a plan. And that just saves you so much heavy lifting and to make sure you can grow and do good. But get another copy and give it to someone you know, another entrepreneur, a corporate type that you know, and just say, here's a gift, check this out. You know, you can spend a little bit of money on a book, they can read it and absolutely change what they're doing because they see the business case there for doing it. And just you alone can have massive impact by doing that because we've got to do it together. And then, you know, I'm always up for speaking out in Australia. Um, you can always check out my company, We First at wefirstbranding.com and the work we do wefirstbranding.com. But, um, you know, I'm really, like you, I'm optimistic. I don't think this is the end of times. I think this is the beginning of a miraculous rebirth of business when we start to work with the natural world instead of against it. And when we do, we're going to be shocked at the things we can achieve without doing harm to the environment and how much the natural world can really teach us about doing things differently in responsible ways. And then the market forces will grow to reward companies doing that, especially with the younger demographics who are spending their money. And then we'll look back in 10 or 15 years time and go, we were idiots. We were idiots in what we were doing. And now this is a whole new beginning for business. And I'm super excited. Yeah, I think you, you said it because we've been fighting against the nature of things for so long and it's worked to an extent, but imagine if we worked with it. I mean, right? stop being, I think everyone's being ignorant. <laughs> we are, we are, we, you know, and we're only doing what everyone else is doing. So everyone's doing it. So we keep doing it, but now that's shifting and more and more young companies are going into business to do good. Yeah. And then big companies are retooling themselves to do less bad and more good. And the market forces are shifting. So if you're a young business, if you're a solopreneur or you're a legacy business that's been around a while, trust that retooling yourself in terms of your suppliers, how you treat your people and the products you take to market, it puts you on the right side of history. And as this goes along, it's going to push you forward. So trust in it. I hand on my heart. This is the way things are going. You know? I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of your book. Um, I, you. I will get two copies and Thank I'll you. give one, I'll give one away on the show as well. Awesome. Um, 
as, as like a giveaway, I think it's pretty cool. But my final question for you, Simon, this is my all-time favorite question that I love asking all my guests at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I would hope that it's a montage of all of these incredible nonprofits, NGOs, foundations, companies, entrepreneurs who are, have all chosen to work together. And there's only two words in it. And it just says, we first. That's all it's about. If we work together, there's nothing we can't do. I swear to God, just see, there's too many examples out there for me to have to mention. But if we're not working together, we're in real trouble. And if I can be a, play a small role in this choir of change that is headed in that direction, I'd be the happiest man. I'd cark it right there and go, oh, good. I left it on the field. I did my job. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it, man. It's a great send off message. Simon, thank you so much for your time today, man, for your no. stories, your wisdom, your advice. I think it's going to help a lot of people. Do yourself a favor, go and get a copy of Lead with We. And even if you want, go get We First too, his, his very first book. So, Simon, thank you so much for your time, man, and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone listening. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>